0: How's everybody doing tonight? Come on. There needs to be some faith up in this house. Come on, talk to me, somebody. All right. Praise God. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Randall, I'm going to throw this in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, as that goes around. I want to explain something. Explain it. Let me explain this to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we understand something here, and as the Lord lays something out through the Apostle Paul, he says, and he himself, that's God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, uh, some theologians and scholars have gone into a lot of uh, detail about that conjunction chi in the Greek, which is and to us and and say that you can just as easily lump pastor teacher together as you can pastors and teachers. And so it's a fivefold ministry, five and four. But here's the here's the purpose for these these offices or these gifts to the church. Verse 12 for the equipping of the saints for the work of. Of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, the word "edify" means the building up, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Spirit, of the Son of God. Have we all come to the knowledge of the unity of faith? I would say no, an emphatic no. Therefore, this process and these, the this this whole scenario has to continue on until we have come and we have not reached that yet so therefore it continues of the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect that word there means mature or complete to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting verse 15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That is the purpose of those five Offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and it is to equip the saints. Turn to your neighbor say you're a saint. Okay? If you didn't know you were, you know now. You're a saint, and the whole purpose of what we do here on a Wednesday night, Sunday morning, life groups, everything that we do has the purpose of do of this. Equipping you to do the work of ministry. Now we sometimes in the church it gets it gets flipped around to where it's like, well, you're the paid staff. You're the hired gun. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed, And certainly there are responsibilities that we carry, absolutely, things that we do and, and things that we participate in. But at the end of the day, our role and our responsibility is to equip you to minister on that campus, you to minister at HUB, you to minister in your home, you to minister out and about, you to minister in the marketplace where you live what you do because the church isn't just what we do and pastor rich said it on sunday it's not just what we do here this is just a slice of what we do this is a part of what we do and much of what we do and the majority of what we're supposed to be doing is outside of these walls can i get an amen so what i want to talk about and i'm going to i'm started this last time we were together when i started talking about faith and i want to spend some time on this issue of faith. I'm going to approach it from several angles, and the reason is is because there needs to be, in this day, a, a re-up, so to speak. We have got to re-embrace faith. We've got to re-embrace the kind of faith that moves mountains, the kind of faith that expels demons. Come on, somebody. The kind of faith that, that causes movement, Not only in the heavens, but movement right here where we live. Can I get an amen? So we've got to re-embrace some things. And many of you, not all, but many of you know some of these principles. But how many of you know that there are things that we can be so familiar with that that they become so familiar we forget? Sometimes things can be so familiar we don't employ them. We have them, but we forget that we have them. There are things in my attic that I have forgotten about. And I had to go up there and get some stuff down the other day. I took something up, got something down. Y'all know how that is, up and down. And, and there were things up there I was going, well, I, don't even, I forgot I even had that. That's pretty good stuff. Or maybe I need to put it in a garage sale or something or bless somebody with it. But it's just up there, but it's, it's good and it's useful, and yet it got stored away for some reason or another. And I discovered it again and thought, oh, I need to reemploy that. Some of you have treadmills at home that need to be reemployed. Can I get an amen? Wait, sitting over in the corner. I mean, we all have stuff that needs to be reemployed. But let me tell you, this thing called faith, which is such a tremendous gift, and that is actually a part of our covenant that God made with Abraham, which we are a part of, according to Romans chapter 4 and Galatians chapter 3, this thing called faith is something that is that has the ability to move mountains and create your future, create, define, and and bring bring life to everything that we do. So that's ours. That's a promise, and it's ours. But we have to reengage because some of us have had it up in the attic, and we forgot we had it. But it's time to reengage. Can I get an amen? I think it's so appropriate what Kristen has observed and what she prayed for is, is as we move into this season, it just gets weird. People get weird. People get high-strung. People get edgy. People get not so nice while they're shopping for Christmas, which is just bizarre, is it not? It's just such a such a paradox. And yet, you and I have the potential to step into these arenas and bring life because we're full of faith, full of faith, full of hope. Come on, somebody. Full of Christmas cheer. Amen. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time over the next few weeks talking about this equipping issue of faith. And we're going to equip you how to walk by faith and how to walk in faith. Because some of you have it, it's just been stored up in the attic. We'll give you a real quick review. We've talked about the word read is the word revealed. The word spoken is the word empowered. We empower the word by speaking and declaring the word with faith and authority. And sometimes we just have to be reminded of who we are. As, as Woody was reminded so eloquently by Stinky Pete, he said, you don't know who you are. And when Woody turned around and saw all that paraphernalia that represented who he was to a world of children, it dawned, he finally realized who he was. He was much bigger than he ever dreamed than he even knew. And that's such a picture of who we are in Christ. Last time we were together, we talked about faith that works is a faith that is tested. And I, and I shared just, and Randall, can you throw up the uh, the pictures? I, I shared some, some just some uh, a story about my grandfather making Sims, who was a cabinet maker. It's what he did. He, he worked in a, do you have those ready, Randall? Okay. Well, when they come up there, I'll see them, but he was a cabinet maker and and I remember growing up in a cabinet shop and smelling sawdust and hearing a table saw going constantly and, and that was just kind of the life that I experienced growing up, and wherever we lived, there was always a shop uh, where where my granddad did his work, and I love the smell of, of wood that's been cut and wood that's being worked, and, and to this day, I can walk into an, an environment and smell that smell, and it just takes me right back, and so appreciated his artistry and his craftsmanship and his ability to, to do those things, and um always noticed this that every time he built something he tested it and he never waited until he was finished with a project to test it and we he tested it by weight and pressure but he tested it as he went every joint that he put together every miter he tested he checked with pressure and if it didn't pass the test then he would have to redo the joint he'd have to redo recut sometimes even replace uh, until it was right, until it could support weight. And so often, we who are followers of Jesus, you need, we, we are being tested all along the way. Weight and pressure is being applied. And it feels horrible at the time. I mean, most of us are rebuking the devil when that's happening. And God's like, oh, well, you know, that'd be all right if it was the devil. But it could be that God is allowing pressure, allowing weight, I'm not saying God causes things to happen. I just say he can use them. Amen. He, he works with all things that come our way. So he's working things out and he always tests what he builds. So that's what we talked about the last time we were together. And so now I want to, there we go. We got there's a picture of a cabinet. And I remember just seeing that kind of thing growing up all my life. You have the other picture there, Randall? You may have already shown it, but. There's a picture, kind of an earlier, kind of a, a more of an ancient Eastern scene of what it might have looked like to hand plane wood and hand cut, and and we talk about Jesus. Jesus wasn't just some wimpy little kid. He to to work with wood. He probably had massive Popeye forearms doing what he did and what he had to do to to do his his trade and his craft. And hey, you have another one, Randall. There might have been, yeah. And just just a picture, just the idea of just the things that come together and what it takes to build. And I want you to know something. God is working on something in your life. He's building something. He's building something. And let me just say this. He's not finished. Someone ought to say amen to that. He is not finished. He is working. And some of you are in a season right now where there's some testing going on. And then some of you are in a, in a season right now where some hammering is going on where some sawing's going on. I mean, you're, you're feeling the cut. You're feeling the blow. You're feeling the weight. All that's good. Someone say that's good. You can say it's good by faith. That's all right. It's good by faith. Amen? Because what it's doing, it's strengthening, because God is building. God is working on something. Now, I want to shift gears, because one of the things that, that I said is that is that w- the, the passage that we, we looked at in the book of James said in these terms that God that faith tested produces. Faith that is tested produces. Testing comes by heat and pressure. Faith tested produces. That was what we spent our whole time on. Tonight, where I want to go is this. Faith tested does not only produce, it exposes. Faith tested not only produces, it exposes. I want to show you a picture, Randall. You have that picture of a of a car now I worked at now, now i I got to recently drive through my old hometown a while back, and I saw three different gas stations that I worked at, three texacos in post Texas that I worked at in high school. They were all owned by the same guy, so he 'd move us around and wherever he needed us and There were many times a car would pull into on a hot summer day into one of those texacos, and sure enough, out from under the hood, you could hear it. You could see it and when you open that hood up that's what you would see and and we were taught very quickly to to not you know to get some water on that radiator uh because what happens is these radiators maybe a thermostat sticks the thermostats what regulates the water flow into that radiator and if you've ever had a thermostat get stuck then what it does it it, it stops allowing water to get into that thing and in your car overheat like that anyone ever had a stuck thermostat you think your engine's falling apart and all it is is this one little very inexpensive part and uh and once that one one of those goes south it goes bad then that engine overheats immediately and you get this there were many times cars would pull in and we'd get water on them and sure enough it'd be a, a thermostat that was stuck or or damaged and it would have to be replaced but what happens is is that when the heat and pressure is put on a radiator, what it does, it exposes. It exposes leaks, it exposes cracks, and it exposes weaknesses. There are times now I know well, after working at Texaco all through high school, I know the smell of radiator fluid. I mean, I I can smell it from almost anywhere. And almost on any given day that I'm walking through a parking lot of any kind, whether it's Lowe's or United or HEB or whatever, Tarjay, wherever I'm at, if I'm walking through, I can smell radiator fluid. And like a, like a hound dog who has a trained nose, I'll start looking for on the ground to see where that is. Because sure enough, somebody's leaking radiator fluid. There's a smell to it. And the reason they're leaking that is because heat and pressure has created over time a weakness in their radiator. Either their ra- radiator, their water pump, a gasket could be a hose, there could be several little things in that system, in that cooling system of a car, but what happens is when heat and pressure are applied, it exposes weakness, it exposes cracks, and it exposes breaks in the system. Now, let's make the jump into this arena of faith. Now, when God tests our faith, he uses heat and pressure. And we know that it produces something. Well, the scripture also talks in terms of being of things being exposed and or brought to the surface. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 119 verses 143 says this trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. The, the, the psalmist here speaking of of stress Uh, And trouble and anguish have found him, and yet his commandments bring relief and are his delight. It says, your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. And this is the psalmist, and if you've ever read Psalm 119, it's extremely long. But so much, it just points to the goodness of God and the integrity of God's word, the integrity of his precepts and his commands. Now, also, first Peter one, and this we're going to spend a little time in this, first Peter chapter one, verses three through nine. We'll have it up on the screen first Peter one, three through nine You have to understand the author here was speaking to a lot of Christians who had been been in a a time of of uh, exile, so to speak, they were under a lot. persecution. This was during the dispersion when there was a lot of persecution against the church and the Christians in Asia Minor, which was where this was written to, were under just extreme duress. And look what he says here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Keep moving. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven. Hang hang on there, Randall. Reserved, in, We have an inheritance that cannot be corrupted. I don't know if you've ever had a message box come up on your computer that said, corrupted file. And then the program would not run, and there was literally nothing you could do, because once that file was corrupted, it was done, and it had to be Uh, expelled and then reloaded. You have to literally delete the whole program, reload it because a corruption has happened in the system. He says that we have an inheritance in Christ. Notice this. We have an inheritance in Christ that is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted and it's undefiled and it does not fade away. And it's reserved in heaven for you. In other words, everything that you go through on this earth, all the pain, the struggle, the stress, the strain, the joys, everything that we experience at the end of the day, we have a reward. And there ought to be something about that that gives you hope today. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that if I know there's something at the end or if there's something on the other side, I can take just about anything for a short period of time. If I know that there's something on the other side, I can almost literally handle anything. As long as I know there's going to be an end. As long as I know there's hope. And let me tell you what, what the word promises us is that we have something that will not fade away and that is reserved. We have an inheritance and it's being stored up and stored up and built up and built up and stored up and built up. And when we step over the line someday, one day, we have an inheritance waiting for us. That ought to give you some hope and it ought to get you through whatever you're going through right now. Because we have something that is incorruptible and undefiled. It will never fade away. In fact, it's actually accruing, accruing interest all the time in the spirit. Remember that crown? We're getting jewels. We're getting jewels. We're getting jewels. Everything we go through, it's, it's, it's actually being stored up for us. Let's keep going, Randall. Verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so hang on. Keep, keep, keep focused in this. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Someone say a little while. The reference here, little while, is actually, it has to do with chronos, with time. It literally means your lifetime. So, what sounds like, you know, he's saying, oh, it's just a week or two. No, no, no. He's talking about everything you experience in this life he's referring to. So so literally when he says a little while, he's comparing it to eternity. So right now it's just a little while compared to the rest of eternity. Okay. in other words, what we experience here on this earth, this is a perspective changer, is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. Therefore, it's a little while. You say, well, you don't understand. I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. It's just a little while. You don't understand what I, it's just a little while. It's a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. That should help give some perspective to what we're going through. That, isn't, that doesn't mean the pain goes away. It just means it's only for a little while. If it's for a little while, I can, I can make it. I can press through. Look what it says. Though now for a little while, if need be. You have been grieved by various trials. Now, remember, they're under tremendous persecution. He says by various trials, a little while, grieved. Literally, we're talking about being sawn in half and killed and fed to lions. I mean, crazy stuff was going on here. And he's saying it's just for a little while. It's just for a little while because in this you can greatly rejoice that it's just for a little while. Let's keep moving. He says this. Now, this this is really the focus of where I want to go tonight. That the genuineness of your faith, that which is genuine, that which is authentic, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Let me read that line again, though it is tested by fire. Remember, we talked about what heat and pressure test. Heat and pressure, and look at that radiator behind. That's heat and pressure. Testing by fire, that radiator is failing the test. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hold there, Randall. I want to read that scripture again in context, because I want you to see what 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 the writer is talking about. The authenticity of your faith. In other words, if your faith is authentic. It's much more precious than gold that will perish. Wait a minute, I didn't know that gold perished. Do you know gold can actually deteriorate? We say it's a precious metal and it has lasting power. It does, but literally it can be melted. It can be burned. It can be literally melted down. It says, though it's tested by fire, look what it says, may be found, your faith tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You are being tested by fire. I want you to know that. And if you haven't been, you will be. But if you've been a Christian more than a week or two, you already know this. This is, this is innate. We already know there's that testing. Okay, let's keep moving. Verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, he says, though now you do not see him, Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Even though we can't see, we walk by faith and not by sight. That faith is being tested. But we still love him. We still love him. We still glorify him. We still believe. We still rejoice. We still have an inexpressible joy that's full of glory. Why? Because we believe by faith that we will see him face to face. Amen? Let's keep going. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith. All right. This is what faith, remember we talked about it produces and exposes. It, it produces this, the salvation of your souls. There's an interesting passage, and it's stated over and over in the book of Revelation. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Letters to the seven churches, which is actually the seven angels, which is literally the seven pastors of those churches. So Those who endure to the end will be saved. So back up, Randall, if you would, to verse 7. There it is. I, I want to I highlight a couple of things out of here because I want you to understand something. Faith is not faith until it has been tested. Faith is not real faith until there's been pressure. Faith is not real faith until there's been heat. Faith is not real faith, authentic, genuine faith. Until it has been tested by pressure, heat, pressure, stress. All those things that test must be applied to our faith. Now, here's the beauty of this thing. Faith isn't just about gritting your teeth and hanging on. Because we have a helper. The Holy Spirit the the one called alongside. You're not alone in this thing. Here's another great thing. You're not alone, not only by the Spirit, you're not alone with people around us who help us, support us, encourage us, speak into our lives, challenge us, check us up, keep us on course speak words of life, hope into us. We're surrounded. We're also surrounded by a heavenly host, so great a cloud of witnesses. I mean, the Lord has made sure that we have a support system in place so that our faith, it's not just gritting your teeth and hanging on for the ride because a lot of times it feels that way, but it's not because God has put others around us. God has also put examples for us who have gone before us that we can imitate and see and watch. I've got several of those in my life that have gone before. They've run the race a lot longer than I have. They're further down the course than I am. And it's kind of like when the four-minute mile was broken by Roger Bannister. And that mile, for, for years, the four-minute mile was a mystery. It was, it was as though no one could break the barrier. And then finally, Roger Bannister, finally, one man broke the barrier. Once the barrier was broken over the next two to three years, it was broken several times. And up to that time in history, it had never been broken because there was a mental barrier that said it couldn't. But once somebody broke the barrier, once somebody paved the way, once somebody showed it could be done, then others followed and now it's broken regularly. Because that barrier was up here as much as it was in reality and in the physical realm. And it's so true in this thing called faith. So I have to sometimes look beyond and find people who have run the race. Find people who have walked at higher levels. Find people who fought bigger devils. Find people who have more faith in me. And I have to go, okay, I need to ride with you. I need I need to be around you. I need to breathe your air. I need to fellowship with you. I need to connect with you, and there are many people in my life that God has put in my path and 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 put in my life whereby I can actually pick up a phone and call and say, Coach Roar, let's have a conversation, or I can I can call or I can I can hear Rice Brooks preach and and be with him and just just see someone who's just at a whole nother level to believing God for the kingdom. Or, or, or be around someone who's been at this much longer, like a, like a Pastor Sam Webb, who's planted over 25 churches himself, personally, all over the Hawaiian Islands and South Pacific. I mean, to be with people that have gone before and shown that barriers can be broken. People who've been tested and passed the test. Now, go with me to another passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Are you with me? Are you with me? Is anybody here tonight? Hello, hello. Oh, it's an echo. Hello, hello. 1 Corinthians 3.10. Look at this. Again, Paul speaking says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. We've we've talked about this passage before. It says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Keep moving. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. Now, look what he says here. He begins to talk in terms of this testing again heat. He says, for the day will declare it the day that that day of judgment will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. It's a little bit frightening to me to think that everything I've ever done for the kingdom of God will be tested by fire. I mean, it's like you've worked, you've labored and you think what you've built is good and now it's going to be set up and then all of a sudden a blowtorch is going to come on this thing. And it's going to be tested by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Again, fire testing not only produces, it exposes. And this is where I want to get with this. It exposes. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If it passes the test. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now go back, Randall, two verses. Each one's work will become clear. This is an interesting thing because what we do every day for the kingdom of God, our work will be tested. I believe that our work is tested all along the way, but we know at the day of judgment there will be a test. And so we could literally say, you know, you need to pay attention because there will be a test. When a teacher says that, we all go, oh, great. Better better heads up on this one. Better perk up because we will be tested and we will see what, every, what is made of. And it's interesting here because it says of what sort it is. In other words, it's going to be tested in whatever is left after the fire is passed over, after the heat, pressure, and fire, whatever's left will reveal the sort that it is, the kind that it is, what's behind it, how it was built. And so we have to take heed that what we're doing in our walk with God, what we're doing in our faith life, we have to take heed because it will be tested at every turn, at every corner. Now, we're going to pick up and continue on with this, but we're going to shift gears a little bit because all I've tried to do the last two times together is lay a foundation and help us understand that our faith, as it is tested, produces, but it also exposes. And there are things right now, and if I could close with this and just sort of give an encouragement, as the heat and pressure comes, it will expose the cracks in all of us. It'll expose what's there. It'll expose what's broken. It'll expose what's weak in the system. And it's at that point that we take that weakness to the cross. It's at that point we take that weakness to Jesus. It's at that point we say, oh, God, kind of like the centurion that said, oh, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. I so appreciate that line being in the Bible, don't you? That that honesty, that transparency, okay, I believe, but at what level I don't, I need help with. Let me tell you something. When Peter was walking on water, he exhibited tremendous faith. I mean, miracle-working faith. He defied the laws of physics for at least one step. The Bible says he went walk, he got out of the boat and walked on water to Jesus. Now, we know what happened, okay? The heat, the pressure, all of that, the fear, everything— Tested his faith, and it was found wanting. But let me tell you what he did as he was sinking. Do you remember? He he prayed one of the most pure prayers there is. What did he say? Anybody remember? It's not deep. Yeah, Jesus, help me. (laughs) Jesus, save me. I'm telling you, that's deep. That's deep enough, is it not? And as our faith is being tested, the cracks are being exposed. I I remember having this car It was a 1971 Ford Pinto. If you know anything about Ford Pintos, that was the bad year. That was the year that literally they would blow up if you were rear-ended. I mean, they had specials on TV about them. They had recalls. Mine had been recalled, had never been taken in. So it was a bomb, literally. And it was oxidized. It was terrible. This car was in horrible shape. But it was given to me when I went to college, and I was blessed to receive it. And after I did some work on it, got it running good and uh and I was quite the defensive driver driving that car but but that car that car had issues that car had major major issues it was a time bomb it was dangerous but that car was given to me and I was blessed to have it and I was grateful to have it and uh I totally forgot where I was going with that illustration so it'll it'll come back to me later <laughs> I got off on it, think remembering the poor car and how the seat broke when I was driving one time, and I fell backwards, but anyway, a lot of stories about that car, but I was grateful to have the car but uh who knows why I was telling that story? The radiator thank you when the car was thank you very much that was it when the car was given to me that got the it was a it was a pastor who had had it through college and seminary and so he wanted to pay it forward by giving it to a ministerial student so he gave it to me i was a lucky guy so i got the car he said but it might need some work well that was an understatement so after i basically rebuilt everything could be rebuilt and replaced everything that could be replaced on it i actually got the car running good but there was one issue it kept overheating on an ongoing basis and every time it it would overheat something else would go out like a hose would blow out. So I'd repair the hose. No big deal. Seven bucks for a hose back in the day. I could put it on myself. So I repaired the hose. Well, then then I got, so I had a, one brand new hose out of all, all of them. And then driving it, you know, a few weeks later, the, it overheated again, and then another hose went out, the one on the bottom. So I replaced that, another seven to 10 bucks. And, replace, you know, just, and I got to know that car real well over time. Because every time it would overheat, it would blow something else out because there were weaknesses all through the system. Because it was an old car and hadn't been taken care of. And finally one day I thought I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna winterize this car. I gotta I gotta bleed out all this old antifreeze. And I opened that little pet cock on the bottom of it. It's what it's called and it, and it, it what it does, it allows all that stuff to drain out, and I had a little apparatus I put on top, and I put pressure through the radiator with a water hose, and it blew the nastiest growth. I don't know how old that was, but it blew stuff out. It was so nasty. In fact, it was so bad that even when I opened the little petcock, it wouldn't let everything out because it was so stopped up, so I had to actually disconnect a larger hose down there was able to clean that thing out i threw in, anybody remember bars leaks remember bar i knew terry would bars leaks so like pastor rich probably michael some of us that have been around a little longer coach we know what bars leaks is and it's this stuff that's really nasty and you put it in your radiator and it it finds the leak it goes to where the weak spots are and it kind of feels it, it sort of fills in the gaps and uh, so i was able to get it well Once I got that done, got it all drained out, got all the hoses replaced, it never overheated again because it just needed some TLC. But let me just say this. It was heat and pressure that constantly exposed the cracks. And heat and pressure in your life, though it may sometimes be come from an unjust place, though it may even at times be demonic in nature, Because we are under attack. We live in a world at war. Whatever the nature of the pressure is. Because it can be good pressure too. But it's still pressure. It will always expose the cracks. And so though we know that our faith tested. Produces good things. It produces faith. It produces endurance. Patient endurance as we learned last time. But it also exposes the cracks. So let me just say something. If your cracks are being exposed right now, this is hard to do, but rejoice in it. Rejoice in it and say, Lord, thank you. And I bring this crack to you. I bring this hole in the hose to you. I bring this breakdown in the system. Lord, I bring it to the throne of grace and I ask you to help me fix it. I ask you to help me repair because I can't do it on my own. And so maybe the most honest prayer you can pray to God right now is, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Guess what? He will. He will. He will. Can you bow your head?